You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 201, Multitasking, Mindfulness, Mom Guilt, and Mistakes. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Welcome back to the podcast. We are in week two of my month-long series, highlighting my guests over the years and celebrating 200 episodes of the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. And when you leave a rating and review of the show in Apple Podcasts, you'll be entered to win your choice of nine incredible books that my guests have written. And the reason I say Apple Podcasts, by the way, is that most of my listeners are listening there. And as of right now, Spotify doesn't allow people to leave a review. You can leave a rating, though, if you're listening on Spotify. And for those of you who are listening in CastBox, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, or any other app, it would be great if you left a review there too. You can take a screenshot and send it to me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com and I'll enter you in the contest, okay? I also wanna mention that I have spots available for private coaching. And I know I've said this before, but I think that summer is one of the best times to hire a coach, especially a parenting coach, because the pace of life is usually a bit slower in the summer And you can really get your ducks in a row before the new school year starts and you're back dealing with school anxiety, homework battles, morning and bedtime routines. When you work with me during the summer, you'll get to a place where you're not feeling stressed and overwhelmed during that time. So if you're ready for that to be your reality this fall, head over to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and request a free consultation with me. Today, I'm highlighting guests from episodes 60 to 110, and three of them are published authors. We have Carla Nomberg, Hunter Clark Fields, Shira Gura, and Lauren Adler. So the first is Carla Nomberg from episode 60. Her book is titled How to Stop Losing Your Beep with Your Kids, A Practical Guide to Becoming a Calmer, Happier Parent. In this clip, Carla talks about multitasking and how she discovered mindfulness. You have a section, speaking of family, you have a section in your book where you talk about how your husband taught you to ignore the dishes. Oh, man. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So this is on my broader section about multitasking and why multitasking makes us crazy and makes us more likely to lose it. So... When my husband, when the girls were younger, so my daughters are 20 months apart. So when they were little, we had like two under two and then we had little ones, right? So he would be at work and I'd be at home with them for the day and he'd come home and the house would be clean and the counters would be wiped off and the dishwasher would be humming and the girls would be fed and I would be a nutcase. I would Mm -hmm. be a raging psychotic nutbag who was like, (laughs) take these kids, get away from me. I don't want anybody touching me. I'm going to go stare at a wall and drool onto my lap and lose my damn mind. (laughs) And he'd be like, um, okay. And I'd come home after he was with the girls for a day and the house would be a wreck. 
it would be hi honey if you're there i love you the house would be pretty trashed mm-hmm. there would be like dishes in the sink and the books they had read on the counter or you know toys on the couch stuffed animals everywhere puzzles out and i'd be like how was your day babe and he was like it was pretty good and i'd be like okay i hate everything about you right now right i hate right. that you left me a mess i hate that like you aren't a psychotic nutbag at the end of the day with the girls i just i literally hate everything And it took me a while to realize that there was actually a little bit of magic in there that my husband had discovered that I hadn't. To all the people out there who are listening, the magic was not in the mess making. That was not (laughs) awesome. That still makes me crazy. But he was just doing one thing at a time. So when he was with the girls, he was just playing the game with them or Mm -hmm. doing the Legos or the little matching game or whatever. And then when he was doing the dishes, he was just feeding them dinner. He was doing whatever it was. He was just doing it. And for me, I we, like we'd get out the Candyland game, which someday I think we should have like a ceremonial Candyland bonfire and <laughs> like just invite every parent in the country and have one anyways. And I would go and then I'd like run to check an email on my phone or I'd like fold a towel in the stack or I'd go like try to empty the dishwasher before my turn. Mm. And so no matter what I was doing with the girls, I would do something for like one minute or three minutes or five minutes. And then I try to do this other thing. And I was multitasking. And in my mind, I was like, I am an awesome mother. I'm totally adulting. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm getting it done. And what I didn't realize is that it was wearing me down. It was mm-hmm. causing stress. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted. I was far more likely to drop something, break something, forget something, hit send on an email to the wrong person. And absolutely, I was snapping at my kids more. I learned I don't think my husband meant to teach me this lesson. And I generally don't want to learn anything from my husband and poor guy. Anytime he tries to teach me anything, I accuse him of mansplaining, even when he's not. That's a little fun marital game we like to play. But what I did learn from him is that I need to slow down and do one thing at a time. So now the dishes stay in the sink until the end of the day. And then we do a big load. Mm -hmm. Generally, the house the clutter sticks around until the evening when I'm like, Hey girls, time to clean up. Now I will admit that there are times when the clutter gets too much for me because clutter is absolutely a trigger for me. And we have to do cleanup in the middle of the day. But now that I'm just working really hard at doing one thing at a time, my stress level is way down. My time with my kids is more enjoyable and I'm far less likely to explode at them. That's so awesome. Is that how you, because you also have two other books, which I'll mention, and I'll link to all of your books in our show notes, but you've got two books on mindfulness. One is Ready, Set, Breathe, Practicing Mindfulness with Your Children, which I love and bought that book a few years ago when I became a guidance counselor, because I, you know, do some of that stuff with the kids in school and also parenting in the present moment. So did that story with your husband and the dishes and the multitasking lead you to becoming more mindful? How did you start down that path with meditation and mindfulness and all those things? So it was actually me losing my temper with my kids Uh that took me down that path. And I write about this in the book that the girls were young and we, they were like two and three years old and we had a really bad night and I just, I couldn't stop yelling at them. So I was finally like, I got to I got to stop this. It was just a rough night. And so I I put him in front of the TV because I remember thinking, like better that they melt their little brain cells in front of the TV than be screamed at by their mom one more time. And I remember I turned on Daniel Tiger, love Daniel Tiger. And I sat down at the computer and here I am. I am a person with a PhD in social work, which is basically like a PhD in confusing thoughts and big feelings. Mm-hmm. I could not figure this out. So I sat down in front of the computer and I literally Googled, how do I stop yelling at my kids? Mm-hmm. And there were like roughly one bajillion 
hits. I mean, there were so many web pages, which I guess should have made me feel better that I'm not the only person writing about this. But what I saw was, oh my gosh, there's literally a bajillion people on the planet who have figured out how to not, and I haven't. Interesting. So I went through this long path of really a journey of nothing working, essentially, because it was all these sort of quick fixes. Like I didn't understand the underlying problems, right? The underlying problem was that I had postpartum anxiety and irritability is absolutely a symptom of anxiety. I was sleep deprived, which was related to my anxiety. At that point, the girls were actually sleeping pretty well. And those were the two big ones that were causing me me to be so irritable. But instead of understanding that, I was trying to put a Band-Aid on it and be like, I'm just going to not yell. If I could have done that, I would have done that. Right. All of this took me, the first step in my sort of journey was ending up in a mindfulness-based stress reduction course where I started to learn about mindfulness and the basic strategies of understanding what mindfulness means and how to be more mindful. And around that time, I also started to notice a lot of things because noticing is what we do in mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the whole situation with my husband. Mm -hmm. It was hard not to notice the mess he left, but I noticed this underlying dynamic that was actually very wise of him. And I started to notice the value really of focusing on one thing at a time. My next guest is Hunter Clark Fields from episode 70. Hunter is a mindfulness mentor, the host of the Mindful Mama podcast, and the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. In this clip, Hunter talks about the first section of her book, which is about calming your reactivity. So I had been studying mindfulness since I was a teenager. I knew a lot about its power because it had really sort of changed things for me in now, my how 20s. Now, as a teenager, yeah, like how as a teenager do you get into that? I have no idea. You know, I, I think at some point, I was always a very, um, I'm kind of a highly sensitive person. I always kind of had these sort of like dips, real dips. And I, I don't know, I guess I discovered like the self-help section of the bookstore once. And I discovered the books by someone who became my teacher, who's um, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. And he, written like over a hundred amazing books that are just about being peace and mindfulness and everyday life that he, I mean, he's, he was, um, nominated by Martin Luther King for a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, an incredible, incredible leader of peace. And so I started reading and reading and, and like you, you know, like the like the parents you talk about, I did a lot. I read a lot and that felt really good, but I didn't do the practices. So then after about 10 years of doing that reading, I, um, I, I started to do the practices and it was really transformative. But the, what the first part is all about is basically, I think it's so important to just understand our biology, right? Like our worst moments as parents are when we're losing it. And when we're losing it, basically what's happening is that your nervous system is seeing your child as a threat. And so the seat of that stress response, that fight, flight, or freeze response in the brain, the amygdala, they will, you know, release all these hormones and basically they'll just, you know, raise your blood pressure, your muscles get tense, and and it'll literally bypass the prefrontal cortex, higher thinking parts of your brain, your verbal ability, your empathy, your (laughs) logical thinking, all of these things you want to be able to access. It literally bypasses those. So you can just react quickly and like save everyone from the 
proverbial saber tooth tiger. (laughs) And so it's just important to realize that this is not something we choose. This is not something where we've made this conscious choice to do. Like where you get so blameful about ourselves, but like no one like wakes up in the morning. It's like, hmm, I think at like five o'clock today, I'm just going to lose it on my child and scream at them. That's a good idea. No, we don't do that. This is not your choice. It's just, this is your biological stress response. And so when we understand that, we can understand that there are ways to work with this stress response. Like if you want to be able to not lose it and have access to all your higher order thinking um, in the challenging moments, which there will be plenty of in parenting, then you have to practice and build that muscle in the other times. And happily, there are like tried and true brain hack ways to do this, which is so cool, you know, so completely side effect free, which is wonderful. (laughs) And so you can, so mindfulness is about practicing to bring your attention into the present moment with a sense, with an attitude of kindness and compassion and curiosity, right? So you're, you're trying to be curious and not judging yourself. And as we practice peace, we become more pretty peaceful as we sit still and we practice not reacting to all the stuff that's arising, the thoughts and the feelings and all that stuff we become less reactive, right? Mm -hmm. So we develop this capacity for tolerance. And I also walk through in that first section, self-compassion, which we talked about, and also how to take care of our difficult feelings. Because the truth is like, our kids are going to learn from us. And if we want them to take, be able to skillfully take care of their difficult feelings, we have to be able to take care of our difficult feelings. And how many of us were taught to do that skillfully? Like, I don't know, maybe like 0.2% of the population, but basically none of us. We were all taught to just stuff them away. Next, from episode 80, we have Shira Gura, an emotional well-being coach, host of the You Can Handle Anything podcast, formerly known as the Living Deliberately podcast, and author of two books now, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. In this clip, Shira discusses getting unstuck from mom guilt. I mean, I could tell you probably on a daily basis, I get, st- I get myself unstuck quickly, but I get stuck on feeling guilty that I'm either I'm not a good enough mom or here, you know what? I'll give you a really good example. This is like a really, really, really recent example. So I have four kids, as I mentioned, and my third child attends um, a school that's not a typical school. It's a um, Montessori, mm-hmm. you know, education yeah. Montessori. So it's not frontal learning. It's not like the kids, they don't get you know, workbooks, they don't get books, they don't get homework. Um, they don't have desks. They don't, it's a very different kind of school, right? So they have what it's called, it's called like, like corners of the room in the classroom. Okay. And they basically choose where they want to go. And there's no workbooks or anything. It's just these like objects, you know, like beads and pieces of wood and things like that. And they're learning basically on their own. Now, I have felt for many years that my son isn't really learning. Like, I have this fear that he's not really learning. And when he goes to high school or middle school, he's, he's going to be really far behind. 
But I just kind of, you know, the teachers just kept, no, he's doing great. He's doing great. Well, last week he took a math test to make sure that he's like, you know, where all the kids in sixth grade should be. And he bombed it. He bombed it. He's Mm -hmm. like, he should be knowing like basic fractions and basic multiplication. And he couldn't do any of it. And I felt like the worst mother in the world. How did I, I knew there was a problem, but how did I not stay on top of this? How did I not put my feet down and say, there's a problem. This kid needs help or or take him out of the school or put him in a new school or something. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I don't even know what grade level he's on in math, but he is far from sixth grade. And this just happened last week. I was feeling so guilty. And I knew that feeling guilty wasn't helping me. It wasn't going to get me anywhere. And it wasn't going to get him anywhere. Mm -hmm. And he cried to everybody. It wasn't going to get any, it wasn't going to, wasn't going to move anything. And so the first thing I needed to do was get unstuck. After that, I knew I needed to take some sort of action. But the first thing is I kind of, I, I needed to get clear on what was going on here. So I'll walk you through quickly through the steps. So S, I took a stop. T, I was feeling stuck on guilt. You, I believed it was my fault mm-hmm. that Kyle does not, he's not on the right level of math where he should be. And I investigated that. Is that my fault? And I said, it's not 100% my fault. It's not. Mm-hmm. Like when I, it's, it's just not. Right. Even my mind, my mind is telling me, it's Shira, it is, it is. But, you know, it's not. I take it out. I write it on paper. Shira, you know, I believe it's a 100% your fault. It is not. See, what can you consider? I considered um, a ton of things, getting him help. I considered speaking to the principal. I considered speaking to the main teacher. I considered sitting with my kid every single day after school for 20 minutes because he hasn't done homework in six years because they don't have homework. He doesn't even know what homework is. I considered you know, spending that time with him and catching him up on my own, you know, without hiring anybody. And that's what I considered. And that's the, that's the consideration I took on. And then K, I held myself in self-kindness that I got stuck on guilt because it happens to every mother, you know, we're all going to feel guilty at some point. Now, so my mind is going to because I work in a school, like I said before, and you know I deal with parents on a daily basis. Now there's the parents who go to guilt and then sometimes they get out of it or the parents who don't even go to guilt at all, but they go directly to blame, right? And anger and you know getting so angry at the school and, and it's their fault. And so did you go to that place next? I did. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> did. I was stuck. I was okay. so stuck. I went to the teacher. Mm-hmm. I was very kind. I wasn't very rude, but I wasn't rude, but, but like maybe midway into the conversation, you know, the tears started mm-hmm. like, but I told you, don't you remember? I told you there was a problem. Don't you remember? We, I, we had this three years. It's the same teacher for three years. Mm-hmm. Same teacher for three years. And I kept saying, I said, I kept saying to you, you're, you're not seeing my kid. You're not. And she kept saying, but he was fine. Everything was. So I definitely went to the blame game there. And I went to the principal and I said to the principal, I think this teacher is obviously not seeing my kid if, he, you know, so I definitely did that. And then I came home and I said, wait a minute, 
you're just blaming everybody. And that's not, that's not helping the child. And I'm now full of all of this negative, yucky energy because mm-hmm. I'm filled with is just blaming the world. That's not making me feel any better. Check out the rest of episode 80 to hear how Shira got unstuck from blame. Finally, we have my friend and former colleague, Lauren Adler, who works with kids in kindergarten through fifth grade who have learning disabilities and other kinds of disabilities that affect their academic performance. This episode was focused on making virtual school work for your family. And in this clip, Lauren talks about the importance of letting kids learn from their mistakes. Is virtual school the same as in person? Absolutely not. Are kids getting the same level of education virtually that they would in person? No, they're not. But it's also really, really important for parents to understand that what your children are going back to is not the same as what it was. And it is not the same level of education that your children were getting in person last fall. And it is looking very, very different and much more similar to the level of education we can provide virtually but it's in the, it's in the classroom. Um, So I think that if parents understand that when their child doesn't understand something, that's okay. It's okay for them not to get it. What's not okay is for them not to do it. Mm -hmm. So a teacher would rather work be submitted a hundred percent wrong than not submitted at all or submitted with so much help and assistance that now a parent is aggravated and annoyed with the teacher in the school. And the child might not have learned it the way that the teacher expects them to know it. Right. And then they're going to continue to struggle. Mm-hmm. So, and I can speak to my own children in the spring. I'm on Zoom with students all day, basically from 7.30 in the morning until three in the afternoon. So I don't have a lot of time to have a big role in my own students, my own students, my own children's education at home. And I can tell you that there were several times in the spring where my daughter, who was in fourth grade at the time, submitted math work that was almost entirely wrong. And when that happened, her teacher at times would email me and say, I need to meet with your daughter and and help her because she doesn't understand. And after that happened so many times, I said to this teacher, I'm like, here's her email address. Email her. (laughs) Right. Um, And funny, that happened to me last week too, but with my daughter in high school, (laughs) the teacher emailed me and I was like, she's in high school, email her. Like I really, I did the same thing. Right. So I'm like, email her, but the teacher getting that 100% wrong work was a flag to her that my daughter's not understanding it. And it's not my job to teach my daughter. It's her, her teacher's job. And her teacher wants to do that job. Her teacher wants to help her. But without that flag being raised, she thinks everything's fine. And, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, this is not a new problem. It's just gotten profoundly worse since we switched to virtual And I think that's because parents think that the expectation is that all the work is being submitted and it's perfect. And that's not what teachers are expecting. I think it's important for parents to understand what's being graded for a completion grade. So just that it was done and what's being graded for an actual grade, because typically what teachers do, especially in elementary school, but a lot of times in middle school as well, is they'll have a bunch of assignments that are graded for completion 
to make sure a child's understanding, giving them adequate practice before they're given an assignment that's actually being graded for a grade. And even when your child gets to that point where now they're taking the test or they're doing the essay, when you have such a heavy hand in that so that your child gets an A or 100 or whatever grade you're hoping that they get, you're also sending the message to them that they can't do it on their own. And that's not the best message to send to your child. Now, maybe they do it on their own and they get a 70 and that's not what you're hoping your child gets, but then you need to take that test. And again, this isn't a virtual learning situation. This is just good practice for helping your child in, in school and life. And you look at that test and you're like, okay, let's go over what you got right. And let's go over what you got wrong so we can learn from this and improve the next time. Mm-hmm. But doing it for your child is in my opinion, worse than having them get a bad grade on it themselves because you're telling them that they're incapable of doing it on their own. And I work with kids who really struggle, but they're capable of doing something on their own and sending them the message they can't is not, it's not empowering them. It's not helping them. And like I said, this isn't a new problem. I worked with a student in middle school a couple of years ago and the mother was so concerned about his writing. I, at the time I was working as a learning specialist and she kept saying disparaging things about the teacher that he had for English. And, you know, how does she not see that he's struggled so much in writing? And so I pulled his most recent, you know, assignment and I was like, oh my goodness, this, this, he's a beautiful writer. I'm not, I don't see the problem. So I called the the parent and I was very honest. And I said, you know, I read his latest assignment and I thought it was very, very good. And she was like, well, yeah, because I wrote it. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. So how do you expect his teacher to know that he struggles when you're not letting him submit his own work? Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, an interesting moment for her, but also an interesting moment for me because this was a connection she had not made. Mm And she was like, oh, here she was so angry that this teacher wasn't seeing her child struggle, but she was masking that struggle and yeah. preventing that teacher from being able to see it. Wow. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. These women are true experts in their fields, and they have so much more wisdom to share. Check out their full episodes And be sure to enter the book giveaway by leaving a review of the Less Drama, More Mama podcast today. I'll talk to you again next week, mama. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.